0: There are many questions concerning evangelism reaching out to people that I can't answer. And probably you can't either. Questions like, why doesn't God save everybody? Or how does God decide on whom he will rest his grace for salvation? Or why do most people resist the message of salvation, this amazing good news of Jesus Christ why do most people resist this message these are questions I can't answer but there are things I know to be true and they are these everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved I know this I know that God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to him I know this, that whom the Father gives to Jesus will come and he will absolutely keep for all eternity. I know these things to be true. I know that we've been commanded to make disciples of all nations. And I know that Jesus will make us fishers of men. All these things I know to be true. And I know that from the first of the book to the back of the book, God is determined not to be a tribal or a regional or even an ethnic God, but a global, international God. You can start to follow that from the very beginning, and certainly the, the teaching in Genesis 13, 12, 3, uh, and on through the Scriptures. And however we try to come to terms with an infinite and eternal God, God is determined to build his kingdom with someone from everywhere. That we know to be true as well. And God has a plan to bring a variety, at least one of every variety of people, one at a time. And you're in the plan. I know these things to be true. In the Old Testament, we read about a God who reached out not just to Israel, but to all the nations. That was the constant message of the Old Testament. To the Canaanites, to the Moabites, Israel was sent into exile for their own sinfulness, but also to be a light to the nations when they refused to go to the nations. And there the truth of God was broadcast. in the new testament at calvary at the time of the crucifixion there were many internationals who happened to be in jerusalem at the time at pentecost there was people from every language who were there hearing the message of the gospel that's no coincidence and then we see jesus reaching out to the samaritans and to the canaanite woman Scatters the church in Acts chapter 8 so that they would go and reach the nations for the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 8, there's an Ethiopian, one Ethiopian man who God determines to reach. And so we see it throughout the scriptures. The unreached are to be reached. So why do the Rafiji people of southeastern Tanzania matter to God. They matter to God because he's an international God. And what I have discovered over the years is that God may be more interested in getting glory to himself through variety than through qu- quantity. And God plans to do this through you. So this morning... I want to um, ask you to turn to Acts chapter 8. A great story about the Ethiopian who uh, Philip was directed to uh, reach for for Christ. And I want to to share six observations with you this morning about Christ's plan to make you a fisher of people or a fisher of men. Jesus has said, I will make you fishers of men. And so maybe we need to take a look at this text all over again and Try to understand just how will God do that in my life? There are very clear steps that God employs here in this text that he will employ in your life as well. Now, how is it that we teach anybody to become a fisherman in the first place or enjoy fishing? This summer, we uh, had the family in Florida, and we were uh, on a, a... uh, had a cottage by, the, uh, by an inland in inlet uh, of the sea. And um, we wanted to teach our little grandson, Luke Mai to like fishing. Well, the last thing you want to do to teach a little kid to like fishing is to give him a pole with a safety pin and a worm on the end of it and tell him to stick it in the water. Because they're not going to catch any fish, most likely how you teach a little kid to like to fish and and to become a fisherman to make him a fisherman of fish is to cast the, the 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 lure out yourself to cast the bait out yourself until you actually get a fish on the line and then you say come here quick come here take the line i think i think you might be able to catch a fish and the little kid grabs the pole and it's shaking all over and he reels it in and there's a fish there. And he's like, I have become a fisherman. And, and, and as, as, as simple as that illustration is, to be honest, that's exactly what God does for us. You think that you're the one by your savvy and by your skill and by your great words and all of that, you think that you're the one who brings people into the kingdom of God? No, no, no. God catches them and hands the pole over to you and says, here, I think there might be a fish on the end of this line. And you, yes, look at me, I caught a fish. And so I want to talk to you about Philip's fishing day with God. It's found in Acts chapter 8. Starts at verse 26 It reads this way Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip Go south to the road the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an Important official in the charge of all the Treasury of Candace Queen of the Ethiopians This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship And on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. It's from Isaiah 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before, his, before the shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing, Philip, however, appeared at Azotos and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Well, this is the word of God. I, I want you to notice a few things here this morning, uh, which absolutely apply to all of our lives. I- I have, I- I'm convinced that, that this um, incident in Philip's life can, com- can be completely transferred to our lives as, uh, as the way God operates with us In making us fishers of men and the first thing that I notice about Philip's life is this uh, that um, or the first observation I want to make is this and then it it ties into Philip's life if you make yourself available for service God will find you for his specific mission for you a lot of people are saying out there, it's not happening for me, I, I'm, I'm not really uh, reaching people for Christ. Well, let me ask you a question, are you serving God? Are you involved somehow in the service of the Lord? Because if we study Philip's life, we will find out, as if we back up to a few chapters, we'll find out that Philip was first working in soup kitchens in Acts chapter 6. And then as we follow along in his life, even before this, he's proclaiming as an evangelist the truth to crowds in Samaria. And and we find out if we back up even further in Acts chapter 3, it says there that Philip was a spirit-filled man. Philip was very much active in serving God already before the Holy Spirit tapped him on the shoulder and said, Philip, I got another assignment for you. In order for God to have another assignment for you, you have to be involved in an assignment. Assignment. And I'm convinced that um, God chooses to use those who have already made themselves available for service, and then he will move them to a specific mission. You'll never get fish from your living room couch. It just won't happen. You've got to be actively involved in the things of God. The number one obstacle to fishing is the lack of fishermen. They're not serving. People are not serving God. Or they have conditional availability. Uh, Fair weather. Fishermen rarely catch a lot of fish. Too many strings attached. No imagination. If it it, it isn't how I want to do it, then it's not going to work for me. Um, Myself and the boys went um, on a charter fishing uh, out on the... uh, coast of St. Augustine, and um, we were getting, we were loading onto the boat, and and uh, the normal fare of people were coming on, you know, guys, normal guys who are out there to go fishing, clearly looking like they know what they're doing, and then all of a sudden, I'm looking at a woman who looks like she's modeling for Vogue, who walks onto the ship, <laughs> and, and uh You know, she's got all the jewelry on, she's got everything going, hair coiffed, got the makeup to the nines, and I'm thinking to myself, she has no idea what we're doing this morning. So it wasn't long before I see her hanging over the boat, (laughs) depositing her breakfast (laughs) into the sea. And by this time her hair is disheveled and her her makeup is running and it's down here and it's like she's walking around the boat she had never really understood the nature of fishing and uh, she had not come to terms with with what it means to to be in a smelly or a stinky or a different setting or, or one that doesn't work for you or one that's unusual for you, if you're going to go fishing with Jesus, it's not going to work exactly the way you think it's going to work. And so here you have Philip who was already serving God. He'd already been in certain situations and knew how the Lord operated. Then a specific mission will come your way. I notice, secondly, as I move down through this chapter, that that, um, you will hear your specific call if you are used to the sound of Jesus' voice. I, I mean, we ask the question, how did Philip know what to do? How did he know where to go? Well, if you're looking at the text, it says in verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And then when we read down further in verse 29, it says the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now how in the world did Philip hear the voice of God? How are you going to hear the voice of God? Philip, long before this moment, had already trained himself to dial into the frequency of God's Word. How are you going to hear God in your life? In the midst of... um, you can be in the midst of chaos if you're a fishing guy you can be in the midst of chaos kids can be pulling on your shirt dad when are we going fishing and all of that and and you're trying and, and if you're listening and you all of a sudden hear words like you know take a four pound test with a a, a bell sinker and and jig it along the bottom you, there can be chaos around you can there can be noise your wife can be speaking to you wah 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 and and uh, <laughs> but you hear but you hear <laughs> Okay, so the lady's the fisherman. And the husband's wow, 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 wow. All right? Okay. All right. Okay, so the, so the lady's fishing, and, and uh, she hears this. And how is it that she hears? Because she's dialed into fishing lingo. How is it you hear the Lord? You're the kind of person who's, who's into the Word of God. You're studying the Word of God, you're in prayer, you're hearing from God. You're speaking to God. You, you put yourself in the places where, where, where the things of God are proclaimed. Philip became a fisherman, not in a vacuum, but because he had already dialed in to the voice of God. Some of us have become like shielded cables. We can't hear the things of God. We, we, we are so wrapped up in our physical comforts or our personal preferences or our habitual patterns or, or, or sin that stunts us and dulls our ears. You see, God intends to match those who are seeking for spiritual things with those who are sensitive to spiritual things. So are you? Do you know the lingo? Do you know what God says? Are you training yourself to say yes to God's voice? Is the highway to holiness the road most traveled by you? Real fishermen here catching fish reports from everywhere. I noticed something else as we move down through the text. You will hear from Jesus to the degree you are inclined to obey Jesus. You will hear from Jesus to the degree you are inclined to obey Jesus. You know, when Jesus um, first stated to his disciples, I will make you fishers of men, he was not talking to recreational fishermen. He was talking to guys who lived and died on the basis of whether or not they caught fish. He was talking to guys who understood what it was to have a passion for what they were doing because their very lives depended on it. So when he said to them, I'll make you fishers of men, it's not like how we're hearing it this morning. We're like, uh, you know, when I'm not even sure I want to be a fisher. I don't like fishing. Fishing's something I do recreational. It's an option. No, he's talking. When he said that, they were listening with voices of urgency. They understood what it meant. And so when he continues on with this message, this is not recreational. This is not optional when Jesus said he'll make you fishers of men. This isn't take it or leave it. This is who we are. This is who we are called to be. Obedience is the strategy for fishing for people. You notice a couple of things that are very specific here from the Lord. Go to that road, to Gaza. But Lord, you know, Philip could have very well said, but Lord, I've got something really good going on here in Samaria. If you read a few verses before this, He's got an amazing crowd ministry going. As an evangelist, the the original Billy Graham is Philip. He's preaching to crowds in Samaria and things are happening. And suddenly he's told, I want you to get on that road and I want you to go down that way. But Lord, I got a great ministry going here. Why do you want to upset my life? But you don't hear that from Philip. You don't hear that from people who are urgently passionately committed to doing what god wants them to do i want you to go to that ethiopian but lord god he's a gentile he's a eunuch he's not even one of us why would you want me to go to him because philip i want you to read further in the scriptures in isaiah 56 a little further than where he was reading it says this blessed is the man who does who does this the man who holds it fast who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it and keeps his hand from doing any evil let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say the Lord will surely exclude me from his people and let not any eunuch complain I'm only a dry tree for this is what the Lord says To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to worship him. All who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Read further, Philip. And I want you to go to that chariot. But Lord, it's moving. That means I gotta run along beside it. And I want you to go to that one man in the chariot. That's your mission. Now, you need to know that this Ethiopian was a high, high official in Ethiopia. He was a treasurer of Ethiopia. Very wealthy man, high standing. And Philip is now given the assignment of that man. Now, that took a lot of boldness on his part to obey the Lord. I want you to know something, that boldness will always follow obedience. If you obey the Lord, you, you, you can't look at these things and say, but Lord, I, I got something going somewhere else, but Lord, he's not one of us, but, but Lord, he, you know, I got, I got to run along there, and, and that guy, I mean, he's a really high standing official, you can't, you can't operate that way, you simply have to obey the Lord, and in obeying the Lord, boldness will come. It won't come before. It will come as you obey the Lord. And so he's showing some interest in the things of God. And if you are willing to obey God against all possible reasons not to, you will end up at the right place at the right time. The fourth thing I notice here is this that Jesus will provide the hook if you pay attention. You know, Lord, what am I going to say to him? What am I going to do? I see that you got you got me running after a chariot. I have no idea what I'm going to do. Please help me. Tell me. Give me a give me a program. Give me a pamphlet that I can follow. It's about people, not a tactic. If you are sensitive to people, listen, people are not sharks mindlessly attracted by a lot of noise and activity. They have that already in their lives. The ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not some ritual form. It's a relationship with a real God. Which means a relational style is likely the tactic that will work every time. Uh, Phil Powers told me a story during our Fire Up the Grill day where somebody was talking to him about this car show we were having. And uh, Phil reminded him, this isn't about a car show. This is about people. Cars just happen to be here. But the tactic is people. That's the message here. And and as you look at this, you realize it's not about a system or a formula that he employs. It's because he got close to the man. the, The message was stay near, go to that chariot, and look what it says there in verse 29 and stay near it. That's the tactic. Stay close. And so the living God leads Philip to a person, and the opportunity was staring him right in the face. He was able to turn a conversation into a witnessing situation because he was near the man. Look at what happens here. He's, he's reading along. You see Philip notices that he's reading the Scripture, and, and the Spirit of God puts it in his mind to notice that. Do you understand what you're reading? We're going to look at that in a moment. Many times we resist the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He takes us near a situation. We're right there. In fact, an ID even comes into our mind, and we're like, I'm not doing it. I'm not saying anything. I'm not going to move forward on this. How many times have we missed a great opportunity? Because we think I don't have the tactic. I don't have the skill. I don't have a formula People are the tactic It's not a system Think about how it was for you What made the difference in your life? Asking questions of when you're in people's presence, do you have the gift of God? Simple questions. Are you a person of faith? Are you right with God? These are simple questions that can be asked if you're close and you pick up on the way things are. Well, there's a fifth thing I noticed this morning. It runs through verses 30 to 35. And it's this, that Jesus is bringing people to himself. You are just helping them understand what is happening. We we need to take the pressure off ourselves and understand something very carefully here. This is not all about you and it's not all up to you. It's as I explained to you this morning at the very beginning. It's God who's bringing people to himself. He's just using us to help them understand what is happening to them. That's why we're called witnesses. Just tell people what God has done in your life. Just tell people about the Lord. As I see um, in um, Philip's situation here, this was all orchestrated by God. So many times people have asked me the question what about the masses of people who've in the outposts of the world does god care about them i I mean it's all well and good to live in oshawa we have a bunch of churches here and all that kind of stuff and you can find your way to the truth but but does god care about the masses of people on the outposts outposts of the world if that question was ever answered it's answered right here this morning Does God care about the people in the outposts of the world? Yeah, it mattered to him about a man who was in a chariot back to Ethiopia going down a dusty road on the Gaza Strip. How do you think Philip got to that man? Was it Philip's idea? Did Philip come up with an idea? I think I'm going to change my ministry. I'm going to run down that road. No, it was God. God himself was reaching, searching, rescuing, reaching into a man's life. And he sent Philip to bring understanding to what God was already doing in his life. I think it should be noted here this morning that Ethiopia, interestingly, to the ancients, was considered the ends of the earth. Now, this is a fascinating thing because Jesus has just told everybody in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Here's how I want the deal to work. I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and where where did he say? To the ends of the earth. And then Jesus proceeds at the very early stages of the church to demonstrate that very same paradigm. We start out in Jerusalem. There are people reached in Judea. The church is scattered, Philip is preaching in Samaria, and now there's one other area to reach, the ends of the earth. And so he sends Philip to an Ethiopian. And that is the model that has been given to us to repeat over and over again. God is an amazing God. Do you understand what you are reading? It's about the truth, not about a clever sales pitch. He's a Gentile. He's already second class at church. He's a eunuch, unusable in Jewish leadership. He's wealthy. He's used to being used. He's suspicious of everyone. And, and so Philip doesn't scare him. He just simply asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. I received a, a most amazing email this week about God's saving work. started out this way Rick since early May of this year I have been a regular at Sunday morning service up to this time I could count on one hand how many times I had been to a Sunday church service though quite spiritual I never felt the need for a relationship with God I was not a fan of organized religion looking back I had an impression not based on experience which I chose to adopt that impression being that I would have to give up control and that religion was an emotional crutch, I was not interested. In the past year, a number of coincidences, in, um, with quotations, and odd occurrences took place. I, I met a, a woman from uh, Odessa, Texas, came into my life through our mutual passion for animal welfare. We worked together to rescue animals from high-kill shelters, and then would have them vetted and adopted. This woman, it turned out, was deeply religious attending an evangelical Baptist church in her town. She talked to me how her relationship with God enabled her to finally forgive uh, people in her life who had, uh, had uh, hurt her. And the par- next paragraph goes on to say, Bruce and Kathy Valancourt, who are uh, members here at our church, are good friends of mine. And about this time, Bruce said that uh, establishing and building a relationship with God could provide the peace in my heart that was eluding me. At first, I kind of brushed this off as I was getting a little freaked out by the things that were happening and that everything was pointing to God, uh, that everything was pointing to God trying to get my attention. This went on until Sunday, June 29th, last Sunday. Rick, after your morning service, I ran out in a bit of an anxiety attack. I felt that you were talking right to me and kept saying, if you knew what I had, you would want it. Well, in my panicked state, I am in the parking lot texting my friend in Texas. They are one hour behind us, so she's in the middle of her Sunday school class. She excuses herself from class so we can talk on the phone. Does this sound anything like Philip going to the road to Gaza? Listen to this. While we were on the phone, she looks at something a church usher had given to her earlier, but she hadn't had time to look at it. The usher had indicated someone asked her to give this to her. This woman in Texas opened it while she's on the phone to Donna, who's here. She opens it, and it was a devotion with a picture of Jesus' outstretched hand typed on it saying, presented to, and in handwriting, Donna. Now, the woman in Texas starts crying and tells me what it was. No one in the church knew about me except the Sunday school teacher, and it wasn't sent by him. Well, Rick, that night I said the salvation prayer. I feel different, can't explain it. The journey continues. Last Sunday night, Donna gave her heart to the Lord. And um, Donna's here this morning. Donna's here this morning, but when I got this email and I was preparing this sermon, I thought, this, this is a Philip story on the road to, to, uh, back to Ethiopia. All of these coincidences, all of these things have come to place, and it was God all the time. God is the one reaching into people's lives. And the question is, are you going to be there to give them an understanding of what God is doing in their life? That's the question. And so God works through a woman in Texas. He works through a couple of people in our congregation. He he brings her to this church. She hears messages for the last two months. And she connects with something else. And God sends a powerful message to her. Donna, it's you I'm reaching out to. And she responds. Jesus is bringing people to himself. And you are helping them to understand what is happening. The goal of evangelism, by the way, is conversion, not coercion. And so what does he do here? Because Philip comes to this place that, that all people struggle with, this suffering servant and, and all of this. And he says, who is the prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself or someone else? And Philip's like, I, that's the perfect question to ask me. And so he says, I'm going to tell you who he's talking about. He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on to tell him the gospel message. He was stumbling over the sacrifice and the suffering. This important treasurer from the kingdom of Ethiopia is coming to terms with why should he turn his life in a completely different direction. And I want you to know... That Philip tells him the good news about Jesus. Not just come to Jesus and you go to heaven, but he tells him the reality of the cross and about the suffering and about what it took and the horrible consequences of sin. Jesus is looking for worshipers, not roommates in heaven. Jesus wants the message of the gospel to go out with clarity. Not some sort of vague dialogue or vague discussion about religious practices in Samaria versus religious practices in Ethiopia, but the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of what Jesus has done for sinners so that they can have a relationship restored with the living God. That's the urgent message the Ethiopian needed to hear before he got back to his city that he was, was heading to. That's the message he needed. When you meet a drowning person, They don't need a long discussion about all kinds of different types of of life preservers. They need salvation. They need the life preserver of Jesus Christ. They need to know why the cross matters. And so he asked the question, how can I unless someone explains to me? And I'm sure that Philip made much of repentance and said, if you will look to the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins to trust in him as a sacrifice substitute, which is why he suffered for you, then you can be saved. And I see the final thing here that when Holy Spirit salvation happens, life change begins right away. That Ethiopian said to him, hey, there's some water here. Why shouldn't I get baptized? A lot of people are asking the question as they look at this text, how would he know to ask to be baptized? I'm pretty convinced that Philip told him the whole deal. I think Philip told him Jesus' message. I think Philip told him the Great Commission. I think Philip said to him, listen, this is what Jesus commissioned us to do. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey whatsoever things Jesus has commanded us. I'm convinced that he told him Peter's sermon. Let me tell you about Peter's sermon. He said, repent and be baptized, all of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. That's why the Ethiopian said, well then, there's the water. I've repented of my sins. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I believe that he's my substitute and, and that I can have a relationship with God the Father. There's the water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And God gets a hold of your life. Truly gets a hold of your life. Change begins immediately. That's the message of the gospel. The first evidence of the real thing is by faith, obedience, publicly choosing to declare your new identity in Christ Jesus. And I would encourage anybody here who claims to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, make it public by identifying with Christ through baptism. Choose to belong to Christ publicly. That's what Christ has commanded us. Starts from the very beginning. I'm going to do what Jesus says. And for 2,000 years, that's been the tradition of the gospel to do what Jesus says to do. That's the message. When it is salvation and not just emotional curiosity, new life noticeably takes hold. So there it is six basic observations of how God makes each of us fishers of men and women for his great gospel, for his great namesake, for the glory of God. Father, thank you so much for the truth. Thank you for taking us on this journey. Thank you for showing us how you actually go about making someone a fisher of men. And Lord, this is um, not a big stretch for us. This is simply us uh, offering our lives to you, to use in ways that you, only you can do. And so, Father, as Philip made himself available, I pray that we also might make ourselves available for the great things of God and what you want to do, that people might continue to, to come to know you. And, and testimony upon testimony here at Calvary is the same story. The Lord God brought them here. They got an understanding of the word of God, and they've come to know him. Oh, God, thank you for that. that that's the, the, the gospel. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. When it's all about God and when the message is all about Jesus and when the results are all God's God has taken you fishing so I want to challenge you I want to challenge each of us I want to challenge myself to make sure that we're sensitive to the chariot that we're supposed to be running alongside the person who we're supposed to come close to the uh, ears that we're supposed to listen the opportunities that we're supposed to notice God is setting it up for you. He's the one who's bringing people to himself. He just wants to use you to make it understandable to them what God is really doing. Our Father and our God, I thank you for your love for people and the fact that you reach into an individual's life. You are specific, O Lord. And uh, you will go to the ends of the earth to reach a person for the gospel of Christ. You have committed yourself to that kind of love. Someone from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Someone from everywhere. So God, I pray that you will help us to continue to be available to share the gospel to those you are bringing to yourself. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.